The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello, and welcome back to The Dan and Derek Show, a podcast where two nerdy friends keep in touch and shoot the shit. My name is Derek Aiello, a writer, director, and very frequent tabletop RPG player. And with me, as always, is my good friend and pal and buddy and the greatest dungeon master of them all, Dan Fogdahl. Hi. Um, that that last one, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to make any claim to that. I, I will claim to be pretty good. Um, I really like doing it. I, I do my best. Um... But uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the best ever. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Also, I don't think I'd like being the best ever. There's nowhere to improve. You're done. You know that is very fair. All right. Let, so. let me rescind that. And with me, as always, is my good friend, pal, and and buddy, Dane Fogdell, the pretty good dungeon master. <laughs> Hooray! Thank you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So what what we got today? What we got today? Okay, so I'm going to let the audience guess the topic by our icebreaker, which is going to be, what is your favorite quote from the topic of today? Oh, uh, hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Uh, I think I think when we had our dialogue episode, that, that might be my favorite line of like dialogue, period. Yeah. I had oh, yeah. adore that line. Yeah. I think uh, my favorite line... It, is also that line in this movie, uh, which if you hadn't guessed already, dear listeners, it is the princess bride. Uh, yeah. The princess bride, a great and, movie that I needed to see a lot sooner. Okay. So couple, couple of things I, I uh-huh. have seen this movie on and off my whole life. I, I have not seen it recently. I meant to watch it over the weekend, but I ended up uh, watching my siblings and things got uh, a bit out of, out of my control. Um, but I've watched it on and off like my whole life. It's super quotable for me. Uh, I have not read the book. Uh, have you? You've just you only just watched the 1987 film. Correct. I've only seen the movie, and I've only seen the movie once. I've seen clips. I've heard you quote it. I've heard people reference it. I've seen the memes. But I had only seen the movie in its entirety like two weeks ago. All right. Give me give me your first just give me give me your first overall impression. So I think it's probably the pinnacle of what fantasy movies can be when they're not like a saga or a trilogy or a television show, right? Like it is so self-contained and one movie that it's a lot of fun. I found it to be quite ahead of its time. I found it to be quite charming. And I was shocked at how like not simple it was, but like the movie takes place over like a couple of days. It doesn't it's not like a long like saga. It's like a, just like a slice of life, which is pretty wild uh and 
you know, that movie has some like really great casting decisions. It has some really great production design. The sword play, like I would argue it's one of the last great kind of swashbuckling sword play movies. They don't really make those kinds of movies anymore. Like the old like 30s, like Pirate and Robin Hood and Three Musketeers kind of films. They don't really do that. And it's a, it's a film that I think um, it's a lot like a, like it's both a an, an like in honor or in tribute, but also like building upon the 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 ground of those of that sort of genre of swashbuckling, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that it really it really brings out the good parts of swashbuckling, makes fun of the bad parts, and surprisingly is just a wild time, uh, and also like. Carrie Elwes is just so good. Right. So good. He's, you know, like with, there is no Wesley without, without Carrie Elwes. Like he's just, I don't know. It's, 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 it's that combination of like flowing locks with that strong job with how he holds a sword and points it, uh, you know, to the sort of timbre of his voice. It's, he, he really does embody that kind of swashbuckling action star from like, 30s and 40s films um so yeah i i really enjoyed it uh, i would watch it again yeah, i think it's a great like watch with friends movie totally uh, yeah and like it's like a perfect D adventure a lot of these like one-off fantasy movies like Dragonheart or uh prince the princess bride or willow uh they're all like perfect D adventures and you don't really see that in a lot of movies like these days and uh i really appreciate that sort of like yes it's a fantasy movie no we don't need to flesh out the entirety of the world the multiverse the pantheon all the politics we just it's just it's a very character driven story that i i i I love they don't they don't make them like that anymore the princess bride is not an epic it isn't it's an adventure that's that's the thing right like yeah they don't save the world um they sort of depose a shitty ruler and uh save themselves like that's it right like mm-hmm. <laughs> um and anigo gets gets revenge right he he, yeah. he avenges his father right like that's 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 it right like it's not like if you like if you boil it down the basic plot of the movie is Two people fall in love. One of them seemingly dies and the other is forced into arranged marriage. Uh, He returns, uh, rescues her on and off multiple times and with a ragtag team of misfits uh, truly saves the day. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you, uh... you, you call it a fantasy movie and, and it is, but it's such gentle fantasy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not, high fantasy it's not epic fantasy no there's there are no wizards with staves calling down bolts of lightning right um there are weird animals right like there are the rous there are the shrieking eels you know there's the fire swamp there's like fantastical things but like how fantastic is it really like like how how weird is a is an ROUS when there are like Tasmanian devils in the world, <laughs> right? Or like yeah, 
a shrieking eel. I'm like, that's not even weird for the ocean. Like that. Okay. That's, that's a aggressive eel. That's not actually that scary considering what's down in the depths of that, of, of, of the oceans <laughs> of this planet. Right. Like, and like the fire swamps are a little closer to the, the fantastic, but like, I don't know. Like, have you been to the redwood forests? I mean, so I've not. They don't explode, but like (laughs) the trees are so big, it's it's alien. And like, yeah, I cannot remember the name of this exact like formation in the world, but like, there are beaches where stones form in like perfect hexagonal or octagonal uh, dimensions. Um, it's like there's wild shit on our planet, right? Like. Uh-huh. The world of Princess Bride feels adventurous and fantastic, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't like stretch your belief so bad, you know? Yeah. Like I find that people will, people who like cannot handle science fiction and fantasy can handle the Princess Bride. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very, you don't need to know. Well, cause like the Princess Bride relies, what, what makes the Princess Bride so interesting to me is that it relies on the audience's preconceived notions of the genre and the world. Yes. And as a result, you don't need any big explainers. You don't need like the, the, the sort of fantastical elements I feel are less what, what, what they're, they're less. So the, the sort of world and they're more so the characters and the adventure and the presentation of it. Cause it's presented in the form of a grandfather reading to a grandson. And I think that that's what makes it fantasy is that sort of presentation. Okay. So here's a question. How do you feel about that frame narrative situation? What I like about it is that it immediately justifies any of the weird goofs that happen. Like when they fall down that hill. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yes, that is probably how this kid is imagining that, right? Like, it, it kind of reframes this story in, in sort of like a different mindset that I think it, it takes me back to like being a kid, like reading Greek myths or like watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, mm-hmm. uh, which is arguably another, like one of those it's grounded in reality, but is a fantasy movie, but didn't, you know, or like, uh, I don't know, the, the Count of Monte Cristo, like a lot of those nineties sort of swashbuckling films that came after princess bride. Yeah, I realize now probably we're trying to emulate Princess Bride, um, but didn't quite get there. In some uh, ways, yes. And yeah. In some ways, I, I'm not so sure. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and so I think the frame narrative. What's what's interesting about frame narrative is that it it relies on having an unreliable narrator, um, which I think is super interesting because usually that's used as a technique in like thrillers to like you know you know, uh, pull the audience in one way of thinking before revealing a big plot twist. Whereas this, it's pretty straightforward. It's more, it's used as sort of a comedic gag and a way to break up the story. So you can kind of skip around to the, to the exciting parts. You don't have to, you know, it's, it's a, it's a way to kind of condense the movie in a way that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, I think one thing that I like about this particular frame narrative, I, I often like having frame narratives like this where like mm-hmm. and all, but something I particularly find excellent about the princess bride is that the, one of the characters in 
the frame narrative has character development. Mm-hmm. He's not just a, the the boy is not just a vessel for this. Right. He learns something about love and growing up and um how people show they care. You know, yeah. over the mm-hmm. course of the film. So I okay, so I think so we we're going to do we're going to do this episode this week on this and we're going to do uh next week's episode on this. So I propose to you this. I think uh-huh. that we spend the rest of this episode uh, discussing uh, like wonderful moments and like uh, particular things that stood out to you. Uh-huh. And like next week, I'd love to talk about like structure, its place in like sort of, for lack of a better term, the canon, whatever the fuck that means. Um, uh-huh. And uh, kind of like kind of discuss discuss it as like a whole piece. Does that, how does that sound to you? That sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Name some good moments. You, you just go like what, yeah. What stuff stands out to you uh, for having just watched it from the first time? Because like I watched it as a kid. Um, and then like periodically through my life, like you come at it as an adult, which is super interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, the rope climbing scene. Uh, (laughs) It's so ridiculous and insane. And the way they climb the rope, it's like, yes, they could have just used the same clip over and over again. And it would have been just as good. Um, But yeah, the rope climbing scene and some of the humor, like (laughs) Inigo Montoya being like, if I finish him with my right, it'll be over too quick. So I'm going to use my left. And it's like, wow, they snuck that in there. They really snuck that joke in there. Yep. uh, Really cleverly and just... You know, obviously, obviously the reveal that they're both not left handed, uh, you know, and um, sort of like the plays of honor. Like I love when when uh, when uh, Wesley is like or Dread Pirate Roberts at this point in the story, which full spoilers ahead, everybody. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, you're a good sword fighter. It's a pity that, you know, you have to lose and just knocks him out. And it's uh, <laughs> yeah. that coupled with like, you know, that quest to like chase after buttercup and then like you have this this king who is like this great hunter making these like ridiculous sort of like aha yes they went this way and just stop re-summarizing briefly what he thinks is happening mm-hmm. and it's like so silly uh coupled with like the the inner cutting between like you know the you know with like the with buttercup being kidnapped and of course like all the henchmen along the way um, right it's it's interesting because the early bit of the film when you are meeting uh inigo and fezzik um oh and the sicilian's name is is escaping me because he's always just the sicilian in my head um yeah. you it's very interesting because it is not clear like it's very clear like it's not really a spoiler to say that dread pirate roberts is wesley like of course he like, are, are you kidding? Yeah. Um, but the, th- the thing about it to, to me is that, um, it's so unclear who's villainous in all of this, right? Like through the whole sword fight between Wesley and Inigo, it's like the, I don't hate anybody here. Like nobody's, nobody's terrible and like it's just fun like something i noticed as a kid is like you know the part where uh there's like the 
the grabbing of the rope and doing like spins around and then like the flip land. Oh yeah. If you all, if you watch it again, there are like grooves in there, like on the rope, like as a prop so that the <laughs> actor can actually do that. Um, I think it's a stunt person. Um, but I think that's hilarious to me that they didn't even like bother trying to like cover that with camera tricks. Um, yeah. And like that whole area is like, it feels like such a set in so, so many ways. And I really like that. Yeah. But yeah, like they don't feel like vi- villains, you know, like not a one of them. Well, the Sicilian, he doesn't even feel like a villain. He just feels incompetent, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, you want him to, you want it to get resolved so he can rescue Buttercup. Like you don't like you're, you're very like, oh, another, another trial, another trial. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, yeah, I think that that's a really good point about how there doesn't, no one feels like a villain. Like no one with the six fingered man feels fully like a villain. Like Humperdinck feels like a villain, but in like a petulant child way, not in like a, yes. Like the only person who feels anywhere close to competent, the people who feel confident to me, like in that movie, like everybody's a bunch of just like fucking messes. And then there's like Wesley and, and the six fingered man. And those two people feel deeply competent and mildly terrifying. Yeah. Um, and then oh. Wesley is, is uh-huh. like laid low, right? Yes. Um, for the back half of the movie, which I think is actually kind of incredible. It is. It is because you, you, you take this epitome of like the dashing swashbuckling hero that is going to rescue everyone and, you know, sword fight his way through hundreds of guards. And, he can't do that (laughs) and that's so great because now he's got to work with like there's something so charming about that scene and just about that 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 irony you know like i don't i can't quite put my finger on it but it's it is quite quite exquisite like that is some that is some character level that is some highly crafted like character and story thinking right there, you know? Right. Because the first part of the movie, it is established how, how good at shit Wesley is, right? Like, yes. You know what I mean? Like nothing can stop him, right? Like there's no, like he's, he's the best swordsman and he's physically capable enough to uh, overcome a giant. He's smart and like immune to poison. He like, quicksand can't stop him fire monster like nothing right um and then they like torture him a bunch and so now he's just like left with his mind and which means that other characters have to shine like he has to then work on a team and it's it's really good work um yeah yeah and and, and that's yeah and it's also just it goes to show right like no hero is invincible no. And and that's something you never see today. You never see a, a hero with, with a weakness. And I think that that it, it only makes Wesley more lovable when he's like sort of like flopping around being like, well, show me what's going on. Oh, geez. Like that's a yes. lot of guards or just like <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Why didn't you tell me you had a wheelbarrow? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like these things, these things are, are hilarious, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and here's the thing is that like, I'll come back. I'll come back around to this, but like the fact that Wesley is allowed to be both very heroic and very like 
a week is is something that is really important and and all and all good things. Okay. Uh question though. Yeah. Uh favorite character. Uh I mean besides Wesley, I mean Fezzik and Inigo Montoya. Easy. Yeah. That's... They're in a weird way, they're kind of like the protagonists of the story yeah they they change like <laughs> yeah they go on the character arc which is so they, funny to me yeah wesley's character arc already happened it happens off screen on dread pirate robert's yeah. ship right mm-hmm. um there is no character development for wesley he you get to watch him do interesting things but the characters who grow and change the or i would even argue the character that grows and changes is inigo right yeah more than yeah, anybody because, else. Yeah, because he goes from just being like, you know, like a loser working for a Sicilian to, you know, back to like being a loser after being bested to getting his drive back to realizing he can be more than just a sword for hire to becoming Dread Pirate Roberts. Like there is a there is a whole arc and mm-hmm. um I mean that last I mean what's great is that last sword fight where like he's so wounded and should have died you know and he keeps fighting like that is the epitome of like of what makes these movies and this genre so much fun is that kind of larger than life sword master right like that sword fight is very akin to like the sword fight in rob roy if you've seen that starring Mm -hmm. liam neeson yep um because like you know he gets he gets so so cut up you know and it's like there's no way he could survive but he does and it's and it's wonderful because you want to see him win right and it's part of the reason i love the line so mm-hmm. much is that it goes from a joke like like it goes from like a kind of silly dream he has to a joke to being very meaningful to a joke back to being like very meaningful again like that's yeah. like one of the things that I kind of adore about it is that it's just like, mm-hmm. wow, this line can be so much. And it kind of like, it's fun for me that like dialogue can be so malleable in that way, depending on how it's delivered and timing and yeah, how the score supports it and what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you feel 100%. about the writing in this film? I, you know, because I haven't read the book, I can't say how much of it is like, changed adapted or like pulled right out of the source material i think the writing it's a very talky film but i don't think the talkiness impedes the ability to just enjoy it from a visual experience so Hmm. you could watch the film with no dialogue and i'm sure it would be just as good um you know you you would be able to see the emotions I do think there are some things like like the ending monologue, like to the pain, um, you know, like that probably has to be said out loud, but you can kind of get the sense like as the camera slowly pulls in on Wesley as he describes what he's going to do to Humperdinck, you know? True. Yes. <laughs> um, and there's, there's, there's something terrifying with that stone cold thousand yard stare. Um, yeah. It's I, very interesting. I, funnily enough for me, this is a film that, I don't think gets away without its dialogue. Mm. I think it leans so heavily on its writing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can get the gist of, of everything, but it is not, I think the writing is part of what elevates it. 
And then the actors take it to a level beyond that, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the writing lets it be so much, um, be so much more than, that it could have been otherwise. Um, yeah. All right. For sure. We are, we are starting to run out of time. Yes, yes, we are. And I'm also itching to, if, I, if I'm not careful, I'm going to start going into the structure thing, and then this episode's going to be 40 minutes long. <laughs> um, so, uh, rapid fire, top five scenes. Top five scenes. Top okay. five scenes. Um, the, uh, the first time we meet Inigo Montoya. Yeah. Um, the, the sword fight with Inigo Montoya uh, and Wesley. Uh uh, to the pain, that ending monologue. Uh, I really love uh, the scene with Fezzik at the end with the horses. Um, oh yeah, such a good scene. Um, the, oh, the the fight with Fezzik and Wesley, and literally, I think probably one of the when they cut back to reality and the kid is like, "Wait, wait, no, finish the story. That can't that that can't be how it ends." Yeah. Um, and I and I feel like that's um, and then they like go back and it's like a flash and and and, it, and it's revealed to be like a dream sequence yeah. that Buttercup was imagining and I I really love that sort of like this because there's def that 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 relation you know bringing it back to the kid being impatient now and being invested I think is great. How about you? Um, uh, the Battle of Wits with Vizini is the name of the yes, Sicilian Vizini. Vizini. um battle of wits for sure is right up there at the top i just think that shit's hilarious um the final as you wish um from the grandfather when he leaves um Mm. that's really touching to me uh the duel between inigo montoya and um the six-fingered man yeah um miracle max just that whole situation (laughs) is is pretty great Gotta love that. Uh-huh. Uh and this and and, and the uh the quicksand scene in the fire swamp is really striking to me because I when I first saw it, it actually scared me. Like I was actually like I did not like how long the pause was. Um uh. I did not like that at all. And then I really, really hated um like I was like I like the big gasp, like it's a little corny, but like as a little kid, I was like, no, I would hate that so much. Like it was like <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Well, yeah, that that's going to do it for our princess bride. Part one, uh, come back next week for princess bride. Part two and structure. Like you suggested, Dane, I'm like, I'm really curious what, what your thoughts are on that. Um, this is, this was a lot of fun. I'm I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm so glad you finally watched this movie. I'm so uh, me glad. Me too. Me too. Um, <laughs> you can see what movies I'm watching on Letterboxd. Uh, one of which was The Princess Bride at Derek Ayello. And uh, Dane, where can we find you and your existence these days? Uh, you can find uh, my podcast, Diceology, uh, which is spelled like the science of dice on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Alrighty, thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you next time as you all wish. That was so cheesy. That's okay. 